This evening we consider the section from John chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For always, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Then a large crowd of the Jews learned he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests had decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ, the crucified, dear fellow redeemed. Jesus was invited to quite a few meals and dinners and even banquets during his three-year period of ministry. Some by his friends, like the one in our text, but also some of those who were not his friends, like the Pharisees and scribes. And whether it was friend or foe, there were some common themes to uh, many of these meals. The Pharisees would complain that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus would either state or demonstrate that these are the very ones he came for. The lost, sinners, the sick and disabled due to sin, especially those who were repentant, and that Jesus would find them, forgive them, make them whole, save them. This meal in our text, it's also recorded in Matthew 26 and Mark 14. This one is different from the others. For one thing, it was a celebration of Jesus, Jesus having just raised Lazarus from the dead. But first of all, let's point out who's there. We have Jesus and his 12 disciples. We have Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And according to Matthew and Mark, we find out that it was hosted at the house of Simon the leper. Other than providing his home, all we know about this Simon is his name, Simon the leper. Not something 
a person would necessarily be proud about. In fact, uh, he could actually be called Simon the Ugly or Simon the Outcast or Simon the Filthy, for that is what lepers were. They were ugly, they were cast out of their homes and villages, they were ceremonially and hygienically unclean. They were not allowed to be in the presence of others and often lived in leper colonies. And yet Simon is here at his home with all these people hosting this meal. What this means, of course, is that Simon had been healed of his leprosy. And the one who healed him would have been Jesus. So, this man Simon, you might say, was wearing his name, Simon the leper, as a badge honoring and recognizing and thanking and praising Jesus. But at this particular time, he was hosting this meal for what Jesus had done for Lazarus. By the way, I point out... Uh, in the extended version of the sermon that maybe some of you have, that one commentator suggested that this uh, Simon might have actually been the father of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, which is quite interesting and makes some sense. It would have been quite a celebration for both Simon the father and Lazarus the son and the two sisters to be there together celebrating what Jesus had done for them. But again, that's somewhat speculation that he was the father. Let's uh, go to Mary right now. Mary had a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, as it was called. And it was in an alabaster jar, kind of like a, a marble, very expensive marble jar. But notice how much it's worth, 300 denarii. We're talking about a year's wages here. Why was it so expensive? Well, partly because it was imported all the way from northern India. But also this pure nard could have been used for medicinal purposes, for cleaning purposes, for commissioning purposes, and for helping to create a beautiful and wonderful atmosphere. Kind of like what... Uh, scented candles do for some of you out there. Sandy's using scented candles now in the office. It's really nice. It smells nice. I like it. Its fragrance made such a deep impression on the gospel writer John that he remembered it years later when he wrote about it. But most importantly, this nard was used for a body that was to be buried. Mary was using it to prepare a body for burial. John tells us that Mary anointed Jesus' feet with the nard. Matthew and Mark tell us that she poured it on Jesus' head. So which was it? Both. 
she first poured it on his head and then on his feet. Is there significance to this? Yes. Mary is making a confession here, a threefold confession. By anointing his head with this most expensive perfume and oil, she is confessing Jesus to be the anointed one, the Messiah, the long-awaited Christ, the true Son of God. By anointing his feet and then wiping his feet with her hair, she was humbling herself, confessing that she was a poor, miserable sinner who would be blessed, who would be given mercy, who would be acceptable to God only because of this one that she had confessed to be the Messiah and the Savior. And then third, or finally, since, as Jesus said, this anointing was for his burial, Mary was confessing that Jesus, true God and true man, would die very soon. She was confessing his death just a week away. She did not deny that his death would or should happen to him, as the disciples had denied earlier. Jesus repeatedly told his disciples, the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. They would kill him, and on the third day he would be raised up. Mary knew and believed what the apostles had been told, but they refused to accept it and believe it, at least partially. Mary not only accepted it, but anointed it, adorned it, embraced it, even though there would be great suffering and sorrow. You might say Mary was way ahead of the the apostles. And we might ask why. Because she was the one, we read in Luke chapter 10, who sat at Jesus' feet listening to him, digesting his every word, and who, according to Jesus, made the right choice. She chose the one thing needed. And the one thing needed was Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death on the cross. Because only there is forgiveness for the humble and repentant sinner. I noticed something else that's really quite fascinating at this dinner where Mary is acknowledging his upcoming suffering and death. The day after this dinner, Sunday, when Jesus would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, the day after this dinner is the day that the Passover lambs would be chosen. Those lambs that several days later would be sacrificed, would have their blood shed and die. The lambs were chosen, and we could say the lamb was chosen on that next day when he rode into Jerusalem. So Mary got it right. 
Her understanding of where Jesus was going and what he would do is where our hearts and minds should be. And that's the purpose of Lent. Lent is a a reminder of where we should go every day. Well, let's go to the end of our text now. And keep in mind that this is a celebration dinner, celebrating Lazarus being raised from the dead by Jesus. Jesus was the guest of honor, but Lazarus had become quite famous himself now, and understandably so. We read a large crowd gathered at the home, not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one he had raised from the dead. Now, perhaps uh, the healing of Simon the leper was also being celebrated at this dinner, but it was the miracle performed on Lazarus that was the center of attention. And it was that miracle that impacted the crowd. Again, we read Lazarus was the reason many of the Jews were deserting the chief priests and believing in Jesus. The crowd, in other words, the crowd was saying, you know, we want to see this guy who was dead but now alive. And if it's true, why would we not believe in Jesus as the Christ, contrary to what our Jewish leaders are telling us? So, these two men Simon the leper and Lazarus Simon who was perfectly healed of a disease that wreaked havoc on his body a disease that reflected the ugly effects of sin a disease that was actually a picture of who we are by nature sinful and unclean and the other man Lazarus who had received what his sin had earned him, death, the wages of sin is death, but then who experienced that death could not hold him and would not hold him. Jesus, the Son of Man, performed both miracles of restoration by his mere words. Proving what? that he was also the Son of God. And that's why John wrote toward the end of his gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing you may have life in his name. But we must never forget what Mary knew very well. Life in the name of Jesus. Deliverance from an ugly and sinful life. Deliverance from eternal death. Ultimately comes about because this powerful son of God, as Paul said, emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Amen.
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.